0: Welcome, you're listening to Behind the Business Podcast. Do you ever wonder what really happens behind a business? Well, in this podcast, we explore the trials and tribulations of starting a business and being an entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jason Inter. And I'm your co-host, David Liu. And this is Behind the Business. And welcome, guys. Welcome to episode number 18, Behind the Business. Today, we got the first restaurant in, in our podcast here. Is how do you say it? Allium? Yeah, the Allium. Allium. Yeah, cool.
1: and that's uh that's the Latin term for the genus of cultivated onions and garlics.
0: Exactly. Got it. Yeah, I
1: was gonna ask
0: where yeah. <laughs> where that word came from, but yeah, we got Allium um, and Jared and his wife partner and, <laughs> and, and I guess they're they have a newborn right yes. ever. That's right. What was your name?
2: Laura.
0: Laura. Cool. Yeah. Let's let's get started here. You guys opened up. Allium, how long ago? Uh, so it's just, uh, just over a year.
3: Yeah, so August uh, 10th,
1: 2019. Okay. Our sort of, um, our soft opening. Yeah. Um, Has it only been a year? Yeah, just a little, just over, a little
4: year. over a year. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, one of our clients, I guess his cousin is one of the chefs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's- his name's Dallas. Like the our client's name is Dallas. I don't know what his uh, his cousin's name is, but he was oh. the one who actually introduced it to us. So we actually came there and and, and ate on like, uh, like, not on your soccer food, but the week afterwards. Oh, oh awesome. That's wicked. Uh, it's pretty cool. What'd you think? Very good. I love, like, uh, I eat a decent amount of vegetarian food, so I felt like it was a good spread. It was very, like, um, like, oh. like, oh. like yeah, right.
1: really nice. Yeah, awesome. I mean, I guess if I can just sort of uh, jump in on that, like the sort of the model behind the Allium, I mean, we are plant-based, we're a vegetarian and vegan restaurant, Mm -hmm. uh, but we don't really want to, we don't feel the need to fly that flag as sort of our identity, you know, we basically just say that we cook um, really delicious food that happens to have no meat in it. Um, And there are uh, quite a bunch of us there that aren't vegetarian or vegan, but we just sort of recognize that people don't have to eat meat every day all the time um you know in fact i think i read something like canadians get three times the amount of protein they need in their diet but like a fifth of the amount of fiber so we're all like super proteined up but um we don't have enough fiber in our body so uh, you know it's a great idea to eat more plant-based now and again for sure
0: for sure i feel like that's definitely the route that a lot of people are going is everything on your menu Like there's no meat at all, right?
1: Yeah, no meat or fish. We do have some um, cheeses, some local cheeses and dairy products. Um, And we've actually not, we don't have any nuts. A lot of vegetarian places are super nut and even tofu centered. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't have any of that stuff. Some nuts, some hazelnuts, because you can actually get those in Alberta here. So we're really committed to this idea of a localized economy. Um, So trying to support um, producers uh, as local as possible. So that's why we're not buying cashews um you know or almonds or stuff that are um not only come from far away but they're ecologically uh intensive right to grow and to and to ship those things um takes a lot of resources yeah i heard that the nut industry it actually uses a lot of uh like water yeah absolutely yeah almonds in california is like a disaster yeah. right
4: so um so much water just to create that like small nut and then Yeah, it causes huge effects on the the water and the home as well too. So,
1: totally, and it's such an interesting thing in the realm of sort of plant based or vegetarian cuisine because you know so much um, of the motivation. I think, and I can't speak for all everyone, but a lot of the motivation for people who are plant based or vegetarian is often the sort of um, ethicality and consideration of where we eat and how we eat and the treatment of animals and all all this stuff. Uh, But then a way it's been marketed a lot is it's. It's like you're doing well, but you're actually using a lot of these other super intensive ecologically and and sort of human destructive practices. You know, a lot of um, soy production that comes from overseas is highly problematic. And that's the cornerstone of a lot of plant based diet. And again, this idea of nuts and avocados, all these food items that are, I would argue, are tied to this sort of monoculture export oriented form of agriculture that becomes highly problematic. And so a lot of plant based focused folks are oftentimes
3: Reliance, I think, on those. Yeah,
1: food yeah, they're sort of trying to do well for the planet, but then oftentimes, kind of actually reproducing a lot of weird issues in other forms. So, you know, sort of a definitely consideration we have at the alley, and we're trying to think about,
4: mm-hmm. um,
1: you know, how we can be plant-based, um, but also kind of aware of what we're sourcing and what we're eating and what we're supporting. Yeah, that's a major problem, also with uh,
4: palm oil. Oh yeah, the alternative. Um, they use it for a lot of like fillers and also cosmetics and then of yeah. they've been you know just plowing down and burning down the forests and, and, yeah. and, uh, and just like displacing animals and um just because people want to use this cheap alternative for oil yeah
0: yeah so, totally
4: it's pretty crazy that's good though so,
0: so tell us uh what were you guys doing before allium and how did you guys end up uh why did you guys end up deciding to 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 go that route with uh, allium there
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I could share that the Allium sort of grew out of a graduate degree I did many years ago. Okay. Um, I was doing a a master's degree in sociology in Vancouver um, and really uh, focusing on economics. So looking at um, contemporary issues of economy, increasing wealth stratification and inequality, and trying to look at sort of structural um, causes and solutions to uh, the current um, sort of situation we're in. Um, You know, I would argue that as we've seen, um, our current economy has produced massive, massive wealth for so many people, and it's also produced a lot of um, wants uh, for so many people. And that's really what, what we sort of think about and talking about trying to address issues of economy. Um, yeah, capitalism has produced insane amount of wealth for people. It's also produced a lot of poverty amidst this wealth. Mm-hmm. And so how do we start looking at equalizing some of those um, economic um, disparities? Um, I firmly believe that a working class is what builds an economy, is what makes an economy run. Um, It's people spending money on the day-to-day that creates uh, diffuse wealth, diffuse prosperity for everyone. And so if you don't have uh, a robust, an empowered, uh, able-bodied working class in a society, then everyone, I think, is doing uh, poorly. It's going to adversely affect our entire society. And so a lot of the studies and then research that I did Um, sort of kept pointing to empowering the working class as a way to address issues of economy. uh, And that really fed me uh, and my desire to found the Allium, to do the business plan for the Allium. Um, Before we kind of arrived at this idea of doing a worker-owned restaurant cooperative, uh, Laura and I were um, just kind of enjoying life, I guess. We were living in our van for a while. We drove south for uh, about a year, Um, almost to Guatemala. Uh, It was actually in the south of Mexico that the idea of the Allium came about. We were sitting in this um, wine bar in uh, San Cristóbal de las Casas, this little sort of town in the southern state of Chiapas. Um, And with every uh, wine or or beer you got, they gave you a free tapa. We were just sitting there really just kind of enjoying the atmosphere and there was some nice music playing and and I'm sort of talking about, well, I finished my graduate degree and I have no idea what I'm doing now. And I I don't want to go. How old are you right now? I'm 36. Oh, you're 36. Okay. You you guys were
0: doing this up till 34 ish, I would say.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, And so Laura kind of said this is your first business. Yeah. Um, you you know, I mean, yes and no. Yes and no.
3: <laughs> uh, before this and still now, I work for Leech Drug Mart. I'm not okay. sure if you guys know.
4: Oh, yeah, yeah. The one in the one Pretty? They're kind of spread out right. now, the Leech Drug Mart.
3: Yeah, yeah. We've got kind of four locations now. Um, mm-hmm. So I started with them back before the Bridgeland location turned into a cafe. So I do cafe operations for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of opened the Bridgeland location and then. So I've kind of been doing that for, I don't know, close to seven or eight years now. So I kind of have been doing business in that sense.
1: When we moved to Vancouver, Laura set up uh, two Luke's cafes in Vancouver. Um, She helped set up the new locations in the library. Um, So she's opened a number of cafes. I helped my sister run a vegetarian restaurant in Vancouver for five years as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So definitely helped to inform a lot of the Allium um, as it is today. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so we did have some business experience. Laura sort of, uh, we were sitting in this wine bar, just drinking wine and enjoying ourselves. And Laura's like, why don't you just, dude, like you could do something like this. Why don't you just set up like a like this? Yeah. And I was like, you know, I hate restaurants, Laura. Like, you know, I hate restaurants. I'm so sick of restaurants. You know, And I was thinking about it, I was like, but maybe a worker owned restaurant. And Laura was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that, you could do that for sure. Yeah. Um, And that was sort of the seed, I think. And she just kept whispering in my ear every now and again, like, work her own restaurant, work her own restaurant. Um, And we found ourselves back in Calgary. And I was lucky enough to get in with uh, Momentum, which is a nonprofit here in the city. And they give free business classes to social enterprises. Um, So I did um, uh, what's called the incubator class with them. They helped me develop a business plan um, they, you know, we had accountants and lawyers come in, we, um, you know, did demographic research. It was really pivotal actually to the formation of the Allium. Um, and after this six month class, I had a business plan and just thought, all right, let's do this, I guess. Are you,
0: are you like the chef there? Or are you just managing it or like, like how does that work? What do you, what are your roles in, in the, in the company?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, the greatest thing for me about worker co-ops is that there is uh, freedom for a person to, uh, develop, uh, capacities and skills and interests in any, any area of the business. So, um, you know, my experience historically has been more front of house management. Um, but at the Allium, I do, uh, I do it all and I love it. You know, I'm, my work week there could be uh, bartending one night, cooking the next night, um, serving another night, um, and then maybe dishes. Um, so, you know, I'm open to all of it. We do have someone who's more of a specific admin lead and they do a lot of the book sort of behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't do too much bookkeeping and accounting, which I'm fine with. But other than that, sort of anything that needs to be done. it's kind of cool. You kind of have
4: experience and everything kind of keeps things interesting for you as well. Yes. And you can kind of see all aspects of the business and where you can kind of optimize them or, or uh, how to improve things
1: when you're in different uh, um, like divisions of the business itself. Totally, and like you, like you really, uh, uh, you know, aptly noted. It keeps the work fresh. You know, I in every previous position or job, you know, traditionally in um, restaurant or any sort of sort of traditional capitalist structure, you work one, one role. This is your role. Um, and you fulfill it, you know, you come in there as a chef every day and you're cooking or you come in there as a bookkeeper every day and you're bookkeeping. Um, for me, that repetition of tasks gets really old, really fast. I like variety. So the worker co-op model is great because it allows me that freshness of, of role every day, basically. How many employees do you guys have right now? Yeah, so we have a worker co-op base of 15 people um, and the way that we structured it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm
0: what is worker comp exactly like? What is, what does that mean? Yeah, so, that? yeah,
1: for sure. So there's, um, I'll just give a quick background on co-ops. Um, yeah, you know, I, have, I have no idea what that means. Of course. <laughs> yeah, no, no,
0: I've never actually heard of that, which is crazy, right? But <laughs> it's is really interesting to me because, yeah, it's never heard of that.
1: Um, so co-ops uh, come in a couple different forms. The two major forms that you'll find co-ops in are either consumer co-ops or worker co-ops. You're in worker
0: co-ops right now. Yeah, so,
1: uh, so just real quick, a consumer co-op would be like co-op, the grocery store, for instance, or MEC. Um, so you would own uh, a share, right, as a consumer. Uh, mm-hmm. You would get some kind of small dividend at the end of a fiscal year. You can attend um, AGMs and meetings to vote uh, in boards of directors and to make policy decisions, Um but you know, at a consumer co-op, you still have employees, you still have investors, you still have managers. Uh, it's a very much a traditional uh, business structure.
2: Mm-hmm. A worker
1: co-op, by contrast, means that everyone involved in the space is either an owner of the space or on their way to becoming an owner of the space. Oh, we have no investors. We have no bosses. Um, we have no hierarchy. We actually operate on a non-hierarchical model called holacracy. So that means everyone is sort of equal. We make decisions collectively. We share profit collectively. So profit is paid out at the end of a fiscal year, proportionate to hours worked in that year. The more you work, the more profit you make, the less you work, the less profit you make. We still all receive a wage,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but you know we actually get directorship. So we are... Um, learning to be self-empowered have full control of our work and direct our work so people can engage with the space change things as they want bring things up we have monthly meetings um so this is uh what i would call actually socialism in action and i and i know that becomes a bit uh, politicized or dramatic when you use these terms people have a lot of um you know emotion tied to these concepts mm-hmm. um But we call this socialism action because it's actually um, a meaningful form of socialism. It's not this idea of like, you know, Cuba or this communist or whatever. This is actually um, the harder you work, the more money you make out of your work, Um, the more directly involved you are in the space. You have democratic control of your workspace. Mm -hmm. Um, No one actually is telling you what to do. You are collectively um, operating a space with your community. You're building community. You're keeping the economy local. You're paying fair living wages. Um, all these things are tied to worker co-ops. And what's really funny is worker co-ops in Alberta are super old. I mean, we, you know, Alberta in terms of like uh, the contemporary colonial form that it is wouldn't have been founded without worker co-ops. They were pivotal for people f- um, settling the West, um, you know and, and they predate sort of colonial uh, colonial relations here as well uh, in different forms. But worker co-ops are a very, very old model Uh, especially here in Alberta. And it's something that we've sort of forgotten about for for whatever reason. Um, And so that's something that the Allium is really trying to do is remind people that there is a more equitable way of uh, doing business. There's a more equitable way of of engaging with each other and making money. Um, And you can actually make people love their work more, be more invested in their workspace um, and be more engaged in their lives and their communities through these work structures.
4: Cool. Yeah, it sounds like a tribe almost like you you guys are all doing your own little tasks, you're helping each other out for the greater good of the community and everybody kind of benefits from it. So it's like, yeah, old school tribe.
1: <laughs> totally. Laura makes this like she made this really good analogy uh, early days, you know, um, a relationship in a traditional uh, capitalist business is sort of like a love affair. You get a job, you get hired by someone, it's super sexy and exciting, you're all really having a great time, uh, but sure enough, within a certain amount of time, generally, that romance, the lust kind of fades, and eventually someone tires of the work or or whatever, there may be some kind of conflict, and generally the result is someone is fired or they quit or there's a breakdown in the relationship. Mm -hmm. A worker co-op, by contrast, is a lot more like a marriage. Um, We are committed to building this business together and to being with each other. And so instead of turning away from each other during conflict, um, we actually commit to working out our issues, to resolving our problems. And so we say we, uh, we mend relationships. We don't break them. We build relationships. We don't break them. Um, So it's a lot, you know, it's, it's hard, it's hard work, right? It takes commitment. Um, You know, people have to let down their ego a lot. They have to let go Um, and we have to make a conscious decision to work through Uh, interpersonal conflict and, and, and it can be very challenging, but it's also super rewarding.
0: So uh, just let me get this clear here. So every, everyone in the, everyone that works there owns part of the company.
1: So um, as it stands right now, we have seven full owners and everyone else is a probationary owner. So people have to pass a six month probation period um, Mm -hmm. after which they get the opportunity to buy in. Um, I set the member share, at five thousand dollars, because the idea is this was to be class inclusive. We wanted people, working class people, to be able to actually own, meaningfully own a piece of a business, uh, be entitled to profit share, uh, have control over the space. Now it's funny because you know five thousand dollars is not a lot of money. It is literally a drop in the bucket for restaurant ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know I uh, met with I would say over. 40 people easily in the last year um, to talk about getting involved or um, to have them come on as probationary uh, owners and uh, a surprisingly large portion of those people, we um, were unable to pay $5,000. That was outside of their ability as working class folks to actually get that money together and pay that member share. And it's not because they're lazy. I mean a lot of these people are working two jobs but you know many of them have dependents. Um, they have kids or uh, some, maybe an older family member with illness um, or they are just shouldering a lot of debt from maybe a sort of unsustainable lifestyle or maybe whatever you know maybe some kind of crisis they had experienced. Uh, whatever the reason, um, so that idea of paying $5,000 for a lot of people, a lot of working class people is really just outside of their, uh, you know, their perceivability, And that really starts to problematize this idea that we can all just bootstrap ourselves to success, that we can just work hard and own a business. And for many people, you know, their life circumstances, uh, don't allow for that, you know, and it's, it's a kind of a wake up call. It's like crap. There is actually a structural problem with our economy. If people are expected to have two incomes and shoulder an insurmountable level of debt, and that's sort of the norm, that to me doesn't make sense, you know? Totally. So this idea of worker co-ops is about trying to give workers a profit. And that's how I think, if you're the one out there day to day, making the value for your business, making the surplus value for your business, um, we believe that you should have a say in some of that surplus value. So you guys, it's a
4: six-month process to kind of vet the person to
1: make sure that it's the right fit. Totally. Exactly. Totally. We don't want someone giving us five grand. And it's happened a few times where people are like, I'm oh, in, like, here's my five grand. It's like, no, 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 no. Like, you gotta, we all got to make sure you're happy and make sure I'm happy. And, you know, end of the day, it's still a restaurant and the work kind of sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, people have to make sure they're happy with it and that they can stick it out. And then it's like, okay, if you can do that, we want you in. For sure. So how does
0: that work where, you know, the six months pass, they're like, Hey, we're interested. You guys are like, yeah, okay. We want you in, they pay the 5,000 and they're, they, they own a percentage of the company. Um, and then you guys split like the profits at the end, but they still get their hourly wage. Is that right?
1: Exactly. Yes. So Um, In a way, what it allows us is that profit portion that generally is so integral to the functioning of an enterprise. You know, profit generally is the owner's wage, right? And if the owner isn't making profit, well, they're probably not going to keep the business going, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, By contrast, as a worker co-op, we pay ourselves a living wage. We're committed to that. And so profit is almost like a bonus to us. Um, And it's awesome because it actually takes off a bit of the operating pressure on the business itself. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no one there saying like, I need to cut costs. Where's my profit? Where's my profit? I mean, of course we would love to see a profit at the Allium. That's something we're really working towards. And we almost turned a profit in our first year. If it wasn't for COVID um, Mm -hmm. we would have been doing really well. And that's actually amazing. I think for a restaurant I had based on traditional restaurant projections, I had the Allium losing $60,000 in its first year Mm -hmm. Um, to go from a projected loss of $60,000 to almost a profit. I mean, that I think is a massive testament to the power of worker co ops. Um, Absolutely. And
3: that's with right, no debt either. Yeah, no debt. No debt,
1: from <laughs> so,
3: debt. no debt from the opening of the restaurant or anything.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, which is pretty yeah. unheard of. Yeah.
1: And again, that's because we were like, we were there. We were the ones physically building the space. We were the ones designing. We were the ones painting. We were the ones, you know, making the menu items, doing all the marketing. Like, we don't have a bunch of capital that we can lean on, but we have the minds of, 15 brilliant people and their creativity and when they come together with a collective goal i mean we've seen you know our ability to weather through covid um, and actually adapt make these pivots and launch new business models sort of sections of the co-op during covid again was an amazing testament um to the power of worker co-ops you know we don't have money but we have a lot of creativity yeah
4: i like the feel of the spot too like it has like a very minimal look and feel like yes. really there for the food and the quality of the food. So it's like, it's a, it was a nice atmosphere when we went there. Thank you.
1: you can <laughs> She's the mastermind. Really. <laughs> um, but yeah, so someone would buy in that $5,000 share. They would get their wage. Um, you can buy uh, at the Allium, you can buy a hundred shares. If you want, you could give, you could give us $5,000, you know, as an owner, um, someone can give you $5,000 as many times as they want. Mm-hmm. There is no benefit to buying more than one share. Um one share, one vote, you you get profit proportionate to your hours worked in a year, doesn't matter? So one
0: sh- one share is worth five thousand exactly.
1: um, okay. yeah. buy in uh, share for five thousand and then you get profit at the end of a year. We would add up all of the hours worked in that year by owners and divide that by how much profit you have. and then you would get um, a profit share based on hours worked. So again, the more more hours you work, the more profit you get. Um, the less hours you work, the less share of that profit you get. That That's,
0: this is amazing because like, this has got me thinking now about our business model, right? Um, especially having, I would say employees um, own part of the business, I think helps the business further, um, exactly what you guys have done, right?
1: Totally. And there's all sorts of other good pieces that go with that collective ownership, community ownership. I mean, oftentimes, um, and this is sort of a more of a broad spe- broad view. But like, you know, if you own um, a petrochemical business in some town and you need to dump a bunch of toxic waste, I mean, if it's your community that owns it, you're probably not dumping that in your backyard because that's your backyard. You care about it. You know, um, you're not going to be. St- trying to buy sourcing cheap products from outside of your community or your economy. Because again, that's your community, that's your your economy. So the more um, local connection you have to that area, generally the better decisions are made for that area, for your economy, for your community. Um, So there's all sorts of really cool, just like positive ripple effects, I think, that come from this cooperative model of ownership. Um,
0: At the beginning, how many uh, people was there? Because was it just you two? Uh, initially, when you guys started, like, how did you guys grow so fast?
1: It was um, a, a, sort of a whole bunch of just lucky moments, probably, and maybe being an ethically driven business. Um, I mean, I don't know how true this is, but it feels like it gave us some momentum, some interest. Um, so it started just myself doing this business, um, writing business plan, and writing the business plan, and doing sort of some of the research work. Mm-hmm. Uh, laura was the first person that i recruited <laughs> she was sort of involved because
3: i convinced you because yeah, <laughs> she was
1: kind of involved from day one to. yeah um i then approached uh one of my oldest best friends uh they always say don't mix business and pleasure but i've done a lot of that here at the allium um and well, it's like you know, me and dave me and dave have known each other
0: 15 years awesome plus and uh yeah we partnered up what three years ago dave so, That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's all sorts of challenges that can come with that, right? Like oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You like you tell each other to fuck off way quicker maybe than you would a stranger. <laughs> you can also yeah. bounce back from that a lot better, you know. So
4: exactly. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, it's like comes with a ton of challenges, but a ton of awesome bonuses. So sort of some close one close friend. And then I um was I manage a nonprofit as well. So I managed to get um someone from the nonprofit to join. Uh, and then someone I had gone to school with for a long time. And then um, Laura's uh, brother's ex wife was one of our um, people who joined too. So it was very much a social network at the start. It was just mm-hmm. like, who do we know? Who could be interested? A little bit of convincing. Some people were like, I don't want to do this. I hate restaurants. And I was like, me too, man. I hate restaurants. Too. Like, come join us. Come join us. And we'll hate restaurants together. Uh-huh. Well, that's a bold move, I feel,
0: especially, um, you don't like restaurants and I feel like you don't really have a background in cooking, do you? Or uh, not, not
1: really, but I do like, I come from a family of foodies. foodies mm-hmm. I hate that term, but I do, you know, and I do, I've been cooking my whole life. Like, I oh, like, so
0: you, you have been cooking.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just, not professionally you know um they always say that you can turn a hobby into profession and you'll start to hate it so i've always tried to keep cooking out of that realm but uh, i'm actually loving it at the Allium, to be honest and we do have someone who joined on is an owner now alex hamilton and he's um taken over a lot of the food design and he's brilliant and has so much knowledge and the cooking for 20 plus years um so it's like every time i'm in there with him i'm just learning stuff you know he's teaching and he's sharing and um, so it's made it really, really enjoyable. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's funny. I feel like people, <laughs> people do things they hate and they succeed at them, maybe because they hate them. I don't know. <laughs> <But> <laughs> well, that, that's what I was going to ask you
0: too. Like um, the the Calgary restaurant business, I feel is really hard, right? It's a tough, tough business. We've seen a lot of restaurants open and close. And uh, you guys came out pretty strong, I felt. I've been there, I think, two or three times already, and it, it's following that trend of uh, like ve- vegan, vegan food, right? And it's good food, also. What would you guys say? You guys have learned in the last the last year growing, growing the business. The biggest things you've learned.
3: I think, well, for us, you know, especially because we kind of spearheaded the whole. Uh, organization that it's been really learning to let go. You know, when you have such a big vision of what you want to create, and and then you bring so many people in in such a like non hierarchy organization, um, it can be difficult sometimes. Being like, okay, I'm going to let go of this design element. You know, this is the vision that I had, but somebody else now has a vision for it. Um, so I think trying to learn to let go of those things and and share that. That creative element um, was definitely what I I think I learned the most in the last year.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> I mean, it's like this is supposed to be a human, I, I call this a humanization project. I think the major part, one of the major parts of the album is trying to um, help each other um, recognize our own power and our own abilities in the world. And um, to do that, you know, it really does necessitate letting go. And I'm not good at it. Like, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, you know, I have a vision for the Allium um, and I hold on to that vision very tight sometimes, but I'm supposed to be trusting in others' abilities and um trusting in, in other people to make smart decisions. And so um, you know, when I don't do that, it's very torturous for me. And I've realized I'm starting to learn, still not good at it, but when I let go of it and I let people um, take the reins and, and have control or right? I just sort of get out of the way, not let go or let them, but rather get out of the way um, and not try to take up that space. It's just amazing what people do and, and their abilities, you know? Uh, and it, it's a lot of, yeah, as Laura says, it's just letting go of that ego and that control and that desire and, and recognizing and believing in other people. Um, and it's, that's super powerful. It's amazing. Um, I would feel that that would be
0: really hard to do, especially if you guys, you know, started it bringing people on um, and then they become essentially your new business partners. Right.
3: Absolutely.
1: Um, With different views and visions, totally. right. Yeah. And you have to be like, shit, that's not what, no, that okay. All right.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, there you but, go. It's hard, but, but now they own it. So you do actually, it's actually, I, I think it's brilliant actually. And it helps you grow the company w- without all your own efforts right and having people um wanting it wanting to grow just as much as you
3: yeah absolutely well i know for me i mean we've just had this little one two weeks ago (laughs) so i'm now on maternity leave um so i'm not really in the restaurant that much i'm still doing all of the social media and and marketing Mm -hmm. um but all of my other roles have really you know, other members have taken them over. And at first I was really, really, you know, hesitant and scared to like let go of those roles and those tasks. But then as I started to do it kind of slowly and give up um, some of those positions, it's, I don't know, seeing other people just kind of like take them and do such an amazing job with them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been a, a huge relief also to just be able to focus on our family a little bit.
1: Totally. I should say like that, like definitely part of the desire to make this a worker co-op to make the alien worker co-op was my graduate studies. But it was also like when I was doing my graduate degree, I was helping my sister with her restaurant in Vancouver and to see um, the toll that um, sole proprietorship of a restaurant um, or a business like a restaurant can have on a person was like, holy crap, I never, I never want to own a business by myself because sure, you might get some financial rewards, but what do you, like, what are you paying to get those rewards? Totally. And it's a lot. It's a lot. Like, you know, she's working all day, every day. Like, that's all she does. It's her life, you know. And I value other things in life. I want to. I want to travel. I like to fish. I want to go um, swimming. Like, I want to do things. I want to read. Whatever it is that I want to do, you know. And I want to have the time for that. And owning a business in a cooperative model allows a little bit more, at least of that time, because you have all of these other people helping you through the stresses of um, entrepreneurship, right? Oh, especially for a restaurant. I mean, I can't even
0: imagine, like, to be honest, I thought this this uh, this conversation was gonna be totally different about running <laughs> a business, um, but it's totally different um, with what you guys have said, right? My story of uh, typical restaurant owners, they're working long hours, you know they have to work every day, and even on the days that they're not working, right? To prep for the, for the whole restaurant, right? So, um, I, I love the business model. I don't know, maybe me and Dave might have a discussion now as we're growing our company, right? To see how that could. Uh, it's called co-op work. Is that what, that's what it's called, right?
1: Yeah, worker co-op. Yeah, work, worker co-op. Cool. And the big part too for the Allium, um, I want to see, like, I really want to see other worker co-ops form. So I'm actually in talks right now with. Uh, five other uh, businesses um, that are starting to to incorporate and um, trying to um, consult or give some support in their incorporation as a worker cooperative as well. Um, I think the more worker co-ops there are, the better uh, society is for everyone. The more we can support each other as worker co-ops, um, the better off we all are. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, essentially to say that if you want some help at some point around mm-hmm. that, please reach out. If I would to uh, give you some advice and support. I, th- I think we will
0: actually because <laughs> like uh, we just left um, one of our brokerages and we actually have we partnered up with another brokerage and we actually have the opportunity to kind of create what we want to create now um, for like other realtors right so I feel it, it is a good time definitely to talk about that especially if you want to grow right because it took us a while to figure out how it was going to work but this is completely out of the box uh, business model for me right yeah. so.
1: And I should be clear, like, it's not, it's, you know, when we were forming the Allium, like I was working three jobs at the time and then I was at the Allium, I mean, two were super part-time, so it wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like I was at the Allium every spare moment building, like constructing, you know, just designing just, so it was definitely, I mean, I would say the first six months, six to eight months from writing the business plan to opening, um, you know, and sort of a few months into opening, um, I was working nonstop. So, I mean, it definitely still has some of those elements of like traditional business. Right. But, um, you know, the more people join, the more people got involved, then that slowly starts to decline. And there's definitely people at the Allium, you know, this is a group effort. It's not just Laura and I, there's people at the Allium who are working long hours still right now. Um, and that, and we need to address that structurally. We need to set up a structure that is, easier for those people to work less hours, you know, and that's something we're working on for sure. When you're starting out, absolutely. You got to put in the hours,
0: right? Yeah. Um, you guys are still probably putting in long hours, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's that whole team mentality that you guys got going on uh, and working into like a bigger, bigger company. Right.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Even that emotional support is huge. Right. Just to know someone's there. Yeah. You know? And if you have losses, it's like, oh, I'm not alone. Like, what the, what am I going to do? It's like, yeah. all right, we got this. Like, we're going to figure it out together. So, um, do you, Are you guys planning to open up another one? Um, <laughs> not even soon, but there are like, there's definitely, again, the power of worker co-ops is like all of the people's ideas, you know, and there's lots of people that have uh, lots of ideas. Um, and, you know, we keep saying like, yeah, when, you know, we would like to see the Allium kind of, doing well. Um, and COVID definitely complicated that a bit. Um, you know, that with COVID. Yeah. Um, again, that connection to sort of, um, social networks, the social capital of our, of our owners, um, we were able to right from the beginning, um, we were reached out by a group that wanted, was interested if we wanted to do cooking shows, digital cooking shows. Um, so that was one of the first things we did as uh we do um, uh, Meatless Monday, the last Monday of every month, we do a digital cooking class mm. uh, where people can buy an experience bag. Um, it's shipped to their house so they can come pick it up. And then they join us for a two hour cooking class um, in the Allium Kitchen, but all on Zoom. Mm. Um, and we do uh, you know, um, a full meal with community uh, partners and we have farms. farmers come and visit and do interviews. And it's a bit of a variety show. So it's been really fun um we switched to a takeout model right away but um are luckily doing di- in, you know uh, dining again um we're doing uh dining at 50% still we so they changed the legislation if you have barriers set up um you can basically fill it mm-hmm. um so i was busy building barriers um, just be- <laughs>
3: three days before he was born, just before
1: he was born. I was like, I have to finish building these barriers before the baby comes. So <laughs> I was just frantically working at that. Um, so we're, we're a little still at reduced capacity, but, um, our numbers are back up, which is great with the barriers. Um, and we're doing, um, packaged foods. So we've done uh, a line of takeout items that are being sold at blush lane organics, um, as well as Luke's drug mart. Mm-hmm. and the Bonisian. Bonisian, No, they're just doing uh, sauces. And then we're doing sauces. So packaged sauces at Sunnyside Natural Foods, the Bonisian and Bonesse. Um, YYC Growers, which is a farming co-op. You can order it online as well as Be Local, which is a network of local businesses in the city. um, And you can order them online there too. So we have a bunch of packaged food items that have helped us a lot too. Awesome. What would you guys say, like, if you could tell yourself,
0: a year ago, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Oh man, I mean, it's always pivots around this letting go thing, doesn't it? Am yeah. I, I mean, that's an easy answer. Maybe we could think of something better, but definitely, I would tell myself, like, dude, just d- don't care so much. Don't
3: sweat the small stuff. <laughs> don't sweat stuff. the
1: small stuff. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like, have faith that things that resolutions will be found. You know, and yeah. that um, these huge issues that you think are massive at the time are actually not that big. And um, As long as you, uh, you know, you keep working hard, um, you keep that vision there and the vision is collective. So you got to keep that collective vision together. It'll work out. I think with creativity and ingenuity and hard work, for the most part, you can make you can make things happen. You know, you can succeed, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. How do you guys make like
4: decisions being a collective? Like do you guys vote that in or like how do you guys make that as a like, with uh, all the owners on, on any decisions that are being made?
1: Yeah, that's an awesome question. Um, we early days were committed to this idea of non-hierarchy. Um, part of this thing as a humanization project is letting people realize that they are smart, they are powerful, that they can make decisions. And in a traditional business structure, you have very much a hierarchical structure. Um, there's you know the owner, the boss, the manager, um, employee, um, and basically the employee's job is to just realize the vision of the owner. But we find that to be not, not really humanizing. It teaches people to be good soldiers, but not good leaders, and not and not good um, empowered community uh, members. So we wanted this process of non-hierarchy, but we recognize that consensus. So this idea of consensus is that everyone agrees on every decision, right? It's not voting. We would say democracy, or the traditional version of democracy, or voting is a tyranny of the majority. So, for instance. Um, there's one, two, three, four. There's five of us here. Did I do that right? Four? Well, count ever. So yeah. There's five of us here. Um, and the five of us are going to vote on sharing uh, a pie. And the three of us, uh, let's say myself, David and Jason, vote that Laura never get no pie. Um, well, that's democracy. Uh, and that is tyranny of the majority. Two are actually not allowed any pie and three get all the pie. And we don't think that's very equitable. We don't think that makes for a just society. Consensus, by contrast, requires that the five of us make a decision and we all agree on it. Um, so five of us will have to ultimately come to the conclusion that well, ever's tiny. So he gets a small piece of pie and then the four of us will share the rest of it. But to do that in a business model and the dynamic process of a business model operating in day to day is like, um, would be horrible like think about it. if you had to make everyone 15 of us to agree on every decision every day uh, it would just we would never get anything done we would be tied up in bureaucracy um, so we did a consensus workshop early days um, and we were uh, uh, introduced into this concept of holacracy uh, that I mentioned earlier and it's essentially a fancy word to just say that we have hubs Um, We have groups of uh, the restaurants that have been divided into major operating groups. Um, So we have a front of house hub, a kitchen hub, a bar hub, uh, an admin hub, a bodega hub, which is like the packaged food line, um, et cetera. And then we have people who are at the lead of those hubs. Those lead roles rotate, so it's not always the same person there. And it is that person's role to ensure that they're realizing what the hub needs to do. Um, So it doesn't mean that they have power, but they have responsibility Um, and it's their responsibility to make sure that that hub is functioning properly. If there's any large purchasing decisions or purchasing considerations, then they would have to reach out to the board of directors, which are all of the full owners right now. Um, So they would say, I need two grand to buy a new stove. And then that would go to the board of directors and the board would say, yeah, yeah, of course, we need a stove. Let's do it. We have monthly meetings. Um, So every month we meet. Um, and we use colored cards um, to help with consensus so people can bring up different things they want to change or see or launch new programs or whatever. And in a way, it's like voting, but basically um, the whole co-op, all members, owners and probationary will hold up, let's say a green card if they agree, a yellow card if they need uh, clarification or have a question, a purple card if they have a real problem with a proposal and a red card if they're blocking it. If you're blocking a proposal, you need to have a solution as well. You can never just say, I don't want to see this and I block it. You always have to say, I'm going to block this, but here's my proposal as as another option. And that's sort of this model of holacracy or non-hierarchical consensus we use. It allows us, again, to be dynamic in the day-to-day operations of a business. We respond. People can go and buy things and do things as they need. Uh, Bigger decisions or more structural decisions need to be brought up to the whole co-op together
2: that's wow <laughs> I don't even know what I said I think I said it <laughs> All
0: right, let, let me try to summarize this okay um so you guys have different segments in your jobs right like the front the back cooks and each one has a lead and they're taking the lead on that segment. And whatever decisions is made is brought to that team lead essentially. But then you guys rotate the lead. Yes. Oh wow. Perfect.
1: Yeah, you got it. That's it. And Basically,
0: then, that's it. Uh, how often do you guys rotate?
1: Uh, we have oh. not yet rotated any
0: lead. <laughs> <laughs> how do you guys decide? Like, how do you guys figure out who like, for example, let's say you're you're good at I don't know, the accounting side or the, like, and then you, then you're moving to a different side, but what happens if you're not good at that lead, right? Or you don't know anything about it.
3: But you don't so you won't necessarily have to go into a role if you don't want to do it.
1: Or if you're not so good at it. it if you're, yeah. not at it. Yeah, you're not good at it. Yeah, yeah. So
3: like ad, our admin lead, I have a feeling she probably will stay in that position as long as she's in the co-op. If she chose not to be, she wouldn't have to. She could rotate into a new role. Um, but she's she really likes it. No one else really wants that <laughs> yeah. position. Like, no one's kind of like, hey, step aside, I want to do it. Um, so she'll probably stay in that position, um, for quite some time. So it's really based on what people want to do.
1: Yeah. You know, we put ideally in a perfect worker co-op, you have roles based on tasks that need to be done, not based on people. So you make a role because, you know, for for instance, head of the bar, well, someone needs to design cocktails and someone needs to make sure that they're coming out well and there's quality control and we're sourcing from local um, distilleries and breweries and whatever, all the things with that role. Uh, But ideally, that's not just because there's one person who's good at it. It's just a role that needs to be filled. And ideally, there's multiple people who can either um, learn or be trained or assume that role with some support. Now, in a restaurant, it definitely gets a little complicated. For instance, um, Alex Hamilton, the lead of our um, of our kitchen hub, um, you know, d- dude's dude's brilliant. Like, why would we take him out of that role, right? Uh, but the goal is at some point to take him out of that role. And ideally, he has created a structure that helps someone else come in there, and he helps bring them in there, and he guides them. He mentors them. Um, and ideally, I was going to ask, how does that work when, like,
0: you got your main guy and then someone else wants to come in and it's like, is there a competition? Like, how does that work? Where like they feel, um, how would you say it? Like someone's trying to replace them or something, you know, right. like, no, again, not- <laughs> you know what I'm tra- saying? Like, yeah, you're doing this for time. like, let's say six months. And then some guy just comes in and he's like, Hey, I want to be part of this now. I want to buy in. Yeah. And, uh, like kind of like how does that work as in roles and hours and like, right? Yeah.
1: Um. I mean, it is partly that letting go piece that you're kind of circling around. I mean, mm-hmm. we definitely prioritize hours for full owners. Um. Mm-hmm. This is a worker co-op. We want full owners to be the ones operating, um, in charge of the space, getting the hours right. Um. So there's a bit of a there is a bit of a hierarchy in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, if someone came in and they were, let's say, really, you know, they had a, they're good at cooking, um, they really wanted to be the, the lead of the kitchen hub, they had some great menu design ideas, well, we would ideally make space for them to take on that role, mm-hmm. um, and that would involve the head of the kitchen stepping aside at some point, point. Um, mm-hmm.
3: co-leading, or leading. co-leading.
1: We have the option for co-leads, so someone could okay. come in and say, "I'm leading with the current lead," and eventually that that lead would come out and the new lead would assume the full leadership role. Mm. Uh, you know, like even in our bar hub, for instance, like grand masters has been heading up our bar bar hub for a while now. And dude's brilliant. Like, why would we replace him? Right. Why do we want to destroy our amazing cocktails? We don't, yeah. uh, but you know, he's going to really work towards, and he has been working towards um, helping people understand how you make a good drink, how you balance flavors, what we're looking for. Um, and when people propose different drinks, he, he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's put them on there. And ideally at some point, you know, he steps aside and mm-hmm. other people have learned with this process of how to fulfill that role and then they can do it. Um, it's important to have that rotation role because it helps to undermine Hierarchy, right? It helps to ensure that there's not one person who says this is mine or I'm the I'm the leader. I know best. Mm -hmm. Uh,
3: I'm irreplaceable. Yeah,
1: and you know what? It's a good chance that someone comes in and they're not as good as that other person at first, but maybe with some belief and some support, you know, they can actually realize again their their power and their ability as a as a functioning human in this co op. I like that part that you guys were talking about with the cards
4: and how that um, if people have problems with something, then you guys can kind of go to the consensus vote. And then uh, with the red card, um, if there's a problem, then you better have a solution for this problem, yeah. just shutting it down and, and you know uh, just focusing on the problem, uh, create a solution to the problem because that's what we find as well in our business is that we're really solution-based yeah. You have to deal with a lot of clients um, and their issues and their problems and things. So it's like, how can we, uh, how can we figure a solution to that problem instead of just being okay, well, that's your problem now, you know? So yeah,
1: totally. And it's easy to critique, and it's fun to critique. Like it's fun to be like, oh, I hate that, that's stupid, blah blah blah. But like, you know, it's ultimately pointless. Like it's great to have a, a very clear awareness and analysis of what you're doing and a critique or an assessment of it. But it's equally important to create. And that's really what the Allium is. It's not about critiquing economy, critiquing structure. It's about saying, hey, we believe there's a better way to do this and we can create it. And we can create it alongside these other forms to just demonstrate um, here's another way. I think you guys uh, said this before the podcast.
0: Where did you guys get the word Allium? And where does it come from? Yeah, because you guys, I think, said it before we started. So I just wanted to get that in.
1: It's, it's the, the actual word is the, um, it's the genus of cultivated onions and garlics. Um, so it includes a massive amount of different plants, um, that are in that family. Mm -hmm. Um, we thought, I can't remember. So, I mean, definitely onions and garlics are like the cornerstone of so much amazing food. And then there's this hokey element of like onions having layers, you know, and like (laughs) we being more than just a restaurant or just workers, or, you know, we're also, um, we're also deep like onions. No, no, sorry. It's so cheesy. But uh, do you remember how we actually got that name?
3: Um, it was actually one of our, uh, well, it was Julia. It was Julia. It was, yeah, it was yeah. one of our old um, kind of founding members who had kind of come up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we like that it started with an A because then when there's <laughs> lists, you get at the top of the list because you're at the top <laughs> of
1: the so we're always first. I,
3: I, it has definitely worked for us in that respect a few times. So,
1: Yeah, and we just did like sort of classic, like put up, like I put up a couple big sheets of paper, ledger paper, and then we just like threw out names, you know, for a couple for like a week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, wrote them all down and then kind of shortlisted, down, yeah, yeah, a few of them, and then it was sort of like I think we were just really having a hard time deciding a name, and we were just like, ah, Allium, okay, sure, yeah, yeah. That's great. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> the full name of our incorporated yeah. name of the Allium is the Allium Restaurant and Bodega Worker Cooperative. Wow, <laughs> it's a long name.
0: <laughs> well, is it called on the on the sign? Is it called uh, on the front? The Allium or just Allium?
1: Yeah, the Allium. Yeah. The Allium.
0: Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I like that name. It's a good, catchy name, right? So,
1: thank you. Yeah, it works out really well. And uh, and it worked well with the um uh, with the logo, I think, and the and that design stuff. We did end up paying someone for help with that.
0: Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh Dave, did you have any more questions? I think that's it. All that's right. Fine. I I always like to ask this, uh, what does happiness mean
1: to you guys? You're looking at it.
0: Yeah.
2: You're looking
1: at <laughs> it. Yeah, of course, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy answer. That was a cop-out answer, but definitely part of it. I mean, for me, happiness is about realizing the things that one values in one's life. And I don't think there's any one clear answer for that, but it's definitely family, it's relationships, it's community, um, and it's growth, it's intellectual growth, it's exploration. Um, These things all matter a lot to me. And so I think having a balance is ultimately that happiness. It's not um, privileging one of those things over the other, but finding the right balance for your life uh, and making sure that you're paying attention to those needs, those desires, the growth and the exploration—that um, to me is is true happiness for sure. Awesome. Yep.
3: Yeah, I could could have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> and I,
0: I, is there anything you guys just want to say to like restaurant owners, business owners, or just you just want to say before um, we end this podcast here, just to anything in your space?
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, sell your business. For <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you want to enjoy your life? Don't be a sole proprietor. Yeah. Try and help empower people, build more just communities. Um, wealth is maybe important to some people, but you can't take it with you. Right. So um, find the things that have meaningful wealth in your life today and help create uh, a better world for people that come after you. Um, you know, and that often I think means looking beyond yourself. Um, look around you, look at your community uh, and just, you know, let go, let go of things.
0: I think we definitely, I know for me, definitely got something out of this, especially with the new co-work space um, and looking at our business model a little differently now also. So thank you for sharing with uh, your knowledge with us and taking the time to talk to us, uh, especially when you guys just had a baby a <laughs> few weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, when I asked you guys, you were about to do it a week after. I was like, I think you guys should uh, have some time to just get settled in, right? A
3: lot of people have been saying that to us. we are like, we just need a week and then we'll just be right back at it. Then we're like, oh, okay, maybe one more
1: week. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad we postponed. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thanks so much for inviting us. I mean, it's a pleasure. We love um, to talk about the business model and to support its growth in any form. So as I said, please reach out at any time if you'd like to talk more about worker co-op. Absolutely, we will. Anyone else out there that may be listening too, um, you know, just shoot us a message info at theallium.ca, and uh, very happy to talk about worker co-ops and support um, either the transition of your current business to a worker co-op or the development of a new one. So, how can the people find you guys? Um, Yeah, I think info info at theallium.ca is a good one. Um,
0: Where's your restaurant and like on social media outlets too?
3: Yeah, so you can always message on uh, Facebook or on Instagram. Our handle is just at Allium Calgary. Uh, yes.
0: so. yeah, was, no, that, was that you that responded to me, Laura?
2: Yes. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I literally just messaged you guys when I was there. So you could okay. That's awesome. And then where's the address? Where's that located?
1: Yeah. Oh, it's 211A uh, 12th Avenue Southwest. Okay. So it's basically on the corner of first street and 12th Avenue, Southwest downtown. Um, and it's right beside like civic tavern. Um, it's on a great block, like first streets, just full of awesome restaurants, um, and also 12th Ave there. So it's a uh, becoming quite a dine out destination. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, hopefully it'll take off again once COVID abates a bit here in the future. I think it
0: will. I think it will for sure. Well,
1: what? what are your hours? What are your hours again? Uh, 5.30 until uh, 10 right now. Um, and Tuesday to Sunday. Yeah, Tuesday. So we're closed Mondays. Got it. Yeah. We'll,
4: we'll have to come through sometime and uh, pay you guys a visit.
1: Yeah, let us know, please.
4: Um, we
3: actually are doing um, just a, a little kind of brunch event on November 22nd. Okay. Um, we're not doing brunch regularly, but we're kind of doing a little event that day.
1: Yeah, we collaborated with Confluence, uh, so a local distillery, and we're doing um, kind of a cool set brunch menu, um, just that kind of one-off special event. So you can find out more about that on our Instagram and Facebook page. Um, And one other cool thing that we've been doing, in addition to those cooking classes, um, is uh, Sunday suppers. So every Sunday, uh, we do a set four-course meal, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's been really cool, uh, totally different every week, and uh, some awesome collaborators – um local farms sort of helping out, um, just some really cool meals every Sunday. And it's sort of a nice way to just um, you know, come in and be surprised. You don't have to order anything. You don't got to think about anything. Um, you just come in and you eat well uh and enjoy. So awesome. Yeah. Please and check they it out they can
0: find all that out on uh Instagram and, and Facebook, all the details on that, right?
1: Yeah, and our website uh, ww awesome. Cool make
0: awesome awesome Glad to have you guys and i'll share this with you guys after before Please do. Awesome.
1: thank you so much for having thanks you so next. much Jason. thank you david it was a pleasure meeting you
0: both thank you for listening to behind the business podcast remember you can find us on all social media outlets and reach out to us if you have any questions and remember
1: everybody enjoy their life don't wait just do it